Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Today. You may feel a little bit like Paul. You may be a mystery to yourself. You don't know why you keep doing the things that you don't want to do, but I want to encourage you to do what Paul did. Look back to the source. Jesus is the source. He is your strength. He is your comfort. He is your peace. He is the one that makes all things new, and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been because Jesus takes all things and makes them new. Spiritual people, the giants in your life that you look up to, they did not get there overnight. It wasn't one prayer that they prayed. It wasn't one offering. It wasn't one sacrifice. But it was one small decision after another small decision after another small decision. It's the things that you don't see. It's the small disciplines that are done again and again and again. Looking forward to uh, 2020 and all that the Lord has in store uh, for us. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to direct your attention uh, to Romans chapter 6 while you're still standing. verses uh, 7 uh, through 18. Amen. The Bible says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Amen. And I just want to talk to us for the next little bit on uh, this title. Small decisions. Small decisions. Amen. Would you help me pray this morning? Lord, we love you in this place, God. We give you glory. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house, God. I pray that you would bless your word, release your anointing upon it. 
God, let it find good soil this morning, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, welcome to the last Sunday of 2019. And uh, I love this time of year. Um, there are so many different things going on about this specific time of year. It's, uh, I love this time of year because this is the time of year that a lot of people are really open uh, to change in their life. A lot of people are open to the idea uh, of the work of God in their life um, and, and wanting to improve their lives. And they're sitting back wondering, you know, how can I, uh, what changes can I make in my life personally? When I was younger, I used to, uh, this used to be the most depressing time of the year for me uh, because it's all this build up to Christmas and then Christmas is over, all the presents are open and now it's just blah. I mean, nothing really going on. This time, when I was younger, this time in between Christmas and New Year, I hated it, Brother Hogan, as a, as a child. Uh, it, it was just so dark. It was so depressing. I, the, the Christmas music was over. Who's still playing Christmas music? All right. I, or already playing Christmas music for next year. Maybe I should word it like that. But it, it used to be so depressing. But now I find it to be rather encouraging. Uh, we, our family, we like to sit down uh, together and, and kind of uh, first we, we reflect on, on, the, on the past year. Uh, and let me just tell you, I believe that reflection is, is something that I think we all should do. Because if we will give it the time, if we'll sit back and reflect over over the last year, whether you had a great year or a bad year, you need to understand that it is our experience that gives us insight. And so we think, how can I make the next year a better one? Well, we sit down and we reflect on what it was that we did good and what it was that we did bad. Uh, and so my family, we sit down and we reflect and then we write out some goals for the new year and things we would like to accomplish, places we would like to travel to. And... Um, it kind of just reignites me a little bit, all right? It kind of gets me motivated and ready to just jump into the new year and just go after it. We come up with a word this year for our family, uh, and that's kind of like our theme this year of uh, uh, we'll revolve, you know, th things that, ideas that we have around this word, and it's just kind of there to kind of help motivate us through the new year. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today uh, with us is, is some things that are going to help us uh, become better in 2020. Anybody want to become better next year? I mean, even if you rocked last year, I think there's still room for improvement. Would you say amen? Amen. So uh, in my studies, I, I found out how to make a buzzard a prisoner. Weird, right? It's like, what does that guy study? What does he, what does he look up? I figured out how to make a buzzard a prisoner, and, it, and it's super easy, all right? All you have to do is build you a pen that is six foot by eight foot long, and you fence in all four sides, and you leave the top open, and you put the buzzard in the pen, and that buzzard is now your prisoner. It's like, okay, who would want to imprison a buzzard? I would, all right? But there he is. He's a prisoner, and he'll stay a prisoner until he dies. Now, how many of you have ever seen a buzzard fly? All right? Most of the time you see him dead along the highway, right? 
But we, we have seen buzzards can actually fly inc at incredible heights, all right? Of course we have seen them fly. And one would think, surely, Bryce, in this pen, they could just fly out at any time. Or he could climb up the side. I mean, the sides are only four foot, uh, four foot tall. He could climb up the sides and he could just get out and go to safety. But what you don't know is that the buzzard has a habit. Everybody say habit. All right. And here's the habit. The buzzard runs 10 to 12 feet every time, and then he takes off and he flies. It's a habit. He's done it for so long, he doesn't even think about it. It's in his head. He has to do this every time before he flies. And so if you would restrict its running space, the buzzard would never fly. A small pin without a roof will make the buzzard give up and he will be imprisoned until he dies. Why? Because of habit. Habit. He has a habit. And so this morning we're going to kind of talk about um, some habits and everybody's like, woo, yeah, because I have some great habits. No, 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 no. And I don't believe that I'm talking to some old buzzards in here today. That's not why. This, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. We're going to talk about some habits. Um, I enjoy listening to podcasts. Any podcast listeners out there? Yes. Any Landmark Apostolic Church podcast subscribers? Yes. All right. Little plug there. Um, but I enjoy listening to a variety of different ones, uh, preaching, leadership, financial, et cetera. It's like I jump in the car and it's just like, let's hook this bad boy up. And I'm like, Bryce, you're with your family, you know, but I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to stories on podcasts. And I remember hearing something said on one of the podcasts I listened to, and it was on the topic of habits. And the question was raised, why do habits matter? Why are, why are habits, what's the big deal about habits? What's so vital about habits? Why do habits matter? And the answer was this, because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people in any area of success, if someone, you think about any area of success that there possibly is, whether it be spiritual or financial, you think of somebody who is spiritually thriving, all right? They are just on fire. You think about it, what it is. They're, they're as close to God as anybody I know. What is it about them? Well, what it is is that they are consistently living the disciplines that help them grow closer to God consistently living you look at somebody who is financially a success all right you know what their net worth is blah 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 or whatever they're they're stable they're financially successful what is it you know what they're doing they're consistently doing things they're making small decisions over time and over time and over time that other people occasionally do or maybe will never ever do all right it's all about things small things leading in a direction over time to turn out to be big things all right 
And we see this even in the lives of those that we read about in Scripture. You think, man, there's success stories in Scripture. Yes, there are success stories in Scripture. I don't think anybody would argue with me this morning that Jesus' life was a success. His ministry was successful. Anybody want to argue that? Right. Nobody. Uh, Paul, we look at the life of Paul. Paul is brought up so many times in so many different sermons. His life was successful. And so if you look at the lives of Jesus, if you look at the lives of Paul, you'll never run across the moment where Jesus ever said, nah, I'm just a little too busy right now to pray. I'm just a little too busy to get together. I'm just a little too busy uh, uh, to have a little moment, a little quiet time, a little consecration. I, I don't have time to do these things. Jesus never said that. What you will see is a consistent habit of breaking away from the crowds to have a time of prayer. The apostle Paul, he didn't make any excuses either. He said this in Acts 17 and 2. He, it says this, then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul had a habit of going to the temple to share his faith with those who were not in the family of God. You see, habits matter. Habits are important. One writer put it this way. We become what we repeatedly do. (laughs) We become what we repeatedly do. And you'll probably acknowledge that this is a good time of year um, to talk about habits because this is the time of year that we do what? We make New Year resolutions. We lie. (laughs) Not immediately. It's a delayed lie. And I'm all for it. I'm all for, listen, I'm all for New Year's resolutions. I'm all for goals. I love it. I'm 100% on board, and I encourage you to do that. But I got good news and bad news for you today, and it has nothing to do with Geico insurance. All right? Thank you. Again, even if you were, even if you had an incredible year last year, I don't think that you should just sit back and mail in the next year and say, it was good. We're just going to repeat it again. Uh, No, it would serve you well to say, okay, we did this good. How can we make it better? Right? Okay. But I got good news and bad news. The good news is that people want to change. That is good news. It is good news that people have a desire to be better. It is good news that people have a desire to make a change in their life. The bad news is this, that according to studies, 92% of your New Year resolutions will be gone by Valentine's Day. I didn't mean to look at you when I said that, Sister Joey. Like, you're just always staring back at me. I appreciate it. 92%. That's bad news. And if you do yourself a favor and reflect on last year, you would definitely agree with me that that statistic is right on. 
there you were, December 28th, December 29th, you got a brand new pen, a brand new notebook, and you woke up early and you brewed yourself a cup of coffee and you sat down at your favorite sitting place and there you were, you began to slay that notebook. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do this year. You had the resolutions and you set some goals. And for most people, for most people, most cases, it doesn't last. And studies show it doesn't last beyond Valentine's Day. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're feeling like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I do. You look at that verse of scripture. This verse begins with a striking paradox. He said, for that which I do, I allow not. And the Greek word translated allow here means I know, I understand, or I acknowledge. Okay, hence, while the sentence may indicate I do not approve of my own actions, more specifically, it's meaning I don't understand my own actions. I don't even understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. I love the way another version puts it. It says, I'm a mystery to myself. Anybody ever felt like that before? Come on. I'm a mystery to myself. People are like, what's wrong with you? I don't understand you. I don't understand me either. I'm a mystery to me. For I want to stop the bad things. I, for I want to stop procrastinating. For I want to stop being unorganized. For I want to stop overspending at the mall. (laughs) For I want to stop the unhealthy eating. You've been there before. I want to do what is right, he says, but I don't do it. He goes on to say, oh, wretched man that I am. You know what he's doing? He's doing what most of us do. He connects his failure All right. I I, I do what I don't want to do. I have a desire to do good, but I end up doing the things that I I don't want to do, the things that I want to stay away from. He connects his failure to his identity. Oh, wretched man that I am. What a failure. How can I call myself a Christian? This isn't Christ-like. I'm not disciplined. I am a wretched man. I am a miserable man. Then he asks the question, and we see him shift in his thinking. He says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and is dominated by death? And I love what he does. He looks back to the source, the only one who can truly change him. And he says, thanks be to God. The answer is found in Jesus Christ who can change us, who can deliver us, who can set us free. 
Hear me today. You may feel a little bit like Paul. You may be a mystery to yourself. You don't know why you keep doing the things that you don't want to do, but I want to encourage you to do what Paul did. Look back to the source. Jesus is the source. He is your strength. He is your comfort. He is your peace. He is the one that makes all things new, and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been because Jesus takes all things and makes them new. Look back to the source. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new person. Praise God. The old is gone and the new has come. Here's a question to ponder. Why is it that so many of us, we genuinely have good intentions? We want to make the necessary changes in our lives spiritually, be more health conscious. We want to get more organized, whatever it is, but we fail again and again and again. We, we're, I believe you have good intentions. You truly have a desire to want to change. And I want to show you a few reasons why we don't succeed when we have good intentions. And the first reason is this. That we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the what, but we don't get, we don't understand, we can't comprehend, or we don't even give it some thought about the how. I spoke about this before. The, it's the, it's the concept versus commitment battle. All right. There are a lot of people that have great ideas, but no commitment. They love the concept of something, but not the commitment. I thought that I wanted to be a dog owner. I, I thought it was cool. It was, it was a great concept, but there was no commitment. Thus, I owned a dog for less than 24 hours. Couldn't handle it, all right? Didn't want to handle it. I thought this is going to be cool, but I didn't understand the process. I didn't understand the commitment behind being a dog owner. A lot of us like the concept, the idea of something, but we really don't care for or understand the commitment that's involved with that. Here's the deal. Here's what we do. We focus on the action that we want to perform, the thing that we want to accomplish, but we don't understand how to get there. Think about it. Almost everybody that you know has, for the most part, similar goals. You have good intentions. You want to do right. You want to do that which is good. You know the what, but you don't understand the how. Think about it. If I took a survey this morning and I went to every single one of you and I said, what is it that you want to do? What is the goal that you have? What's really important to you in life? You know what? Most of you would say the same thing. It would be the same answer on repeat, on repeat over and over and over again. I want to get healthy. I want to get more organized. I want to go to the gym. I want to do this. All right. Most of us, it would be most, we would say the same thing in some form or another. I don't know anybody who's saying, uh, uh, you know what, Bryce, my goal next year is to have a dangerously high cholesterol. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's saying that. 
Nobody's saying I want to be unhealthy. Nobody, nobody's going that way. When it comes to finances, most people say I want to be debt free. I want to give more this year. I want to be generous. I want financial freedom. I don't know anybody who's saying if I could just max out a few more credit cards, that would be fantastic. If I could double down on this debt, maybe even at a higher interest rate, that would be amazing. Nobody, nobody's saying that. Spiritually, you want to be closer to God. You want to work on your prayer life. Be more faithful. Those are the answers that you would hear. Most of us, we have similar goals and we have similar hopes, but the results are dramatically different. And it has to make you wonder, why are some people achieving their goals and others are failing? It's bizarre to me to think that successful people and unsuccessful people, hear me, have the same goals. Successful people and unsuccessful people have the same goals. Think about it. I like sports, all right? But I've never been a part of a team where the coach says, all right, guys, gather in, gather in. Okay, here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to play hard, and we're going to shoot for uh, sixth place. That's our goal. We're going to shoot. We're going to shoot to be in sixth place. And you're like, coach, there's six teams in the league. Like, if I do the math correctly, that's last place. No coach is saying that. Nobody's saying that relationally, whatever it is, we all want something similar, but we end up with very different results. Why? Why? I love the one, the way one writer put it. He teaches this idea and he says this, that goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. Goals is not what determines success. It's systems that determines success. You see, goals are great to have. Again, I, I, I let off with this. I want you to have goals. You should have goals. But it's the systems in your life that will determine the success that you have. Here's a quote I ran across. And he's, again, he's saying this. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. You fall to the level of your systems. I think about the New England Patriots, a professional football team. They've, they, they've been a dynasty now for what seems like 38 years. And in the playoffs, every single year, usually they're, they're, they're one of the representatives in the Super Bowl year after year. And here's what's amazing to me. They do it with players that most people have never heard of. You would go down the roster and be like, don't know him, don't know him, don't know him. You don't know who these people are. It's like, how are they consistently winning? How is it possible that they're in the playoffs year after year they're so successful they're a dynasty what is it you know what it is it's the system it is the system it's the process it's the details it's not just winning the Super Bowl but it's how to get to and win the Super Bowl they focus not on the what but on the how and when you read through the Bible, through that lens of that thought, you will see examples all over the place of people, successful people, of godly systems or unsuccessful because of the lack of systems. 
Daniel was successful. Study Daniel's life and you will come, uh, you will agree with me. Daniel's life was a success story. What was it? What made Daniel stand out? There was all kinds of talent, gifted people that Daniel was surrounded by. What made Daniel stand out among the rest of his peers? What was it? Why was Daniel amongst a bunch of other young men? Did he stand out to all the leaders as godly, as gifted, as talented, as different? Why is it that when thrown into a den full of lions because of his obedience to God, he was able to stand strong, trust God and come alive out alive on the other side what was it it's because he had the systems in place that led to a life of faith that led to a life of faithfulness and I trust you God what was his system for years, Daniel had made up in his mind that no matter what was going on, he was going to spend three times a day, no matter what he was doing, no matter what was going on, and he was going to get in the presence of God. He was going to spend time with God. That was his system. Hear me today. If you have the right system in place, godly system, then you are more likely to become the person that you want to become. Yes. But you won't get there focusing on the what. It'll be the how. Here's the mistake that you and I tend to make, though. We tend to think, I want to I wanna change the results. Uh, I want to get in the gym. I'm going to change my appearance and I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get better organized. I'm going to get more organized and I, I want to attack our debts. And the problem is this. You have to change the systems that create those results. You're focusing on changing the results, but you're, you're completely missing out on the process. The how, how do I get there? Listen, if we will fix what we do, how we live, the habits in our life, the outcomes will fix themselves. And I don't know about you, but that's something that I'm interested in. If you truly want to make a change, make a change to the process. Make a change to the system. It's not what, but it's how. How do I accomplish this goal? What's the process? Ask yourself, what's the steps? I love that scripture in the Bible where man is focused on plans. Oh, I, I got this plan in my life. I, got, I set up this plan. This is where I want to be in, in 10 years. This is what I'm going to be doing. This is the church I'm going to be serving in, and I'm going to be married. I'm going to have children. I'm going to have the jet ski. I'm going to have it all. It's good to have plans, but I love it that God's not focused on the plans. He's focused on the steps. Yes, yes, yes. Steps. It's the steps of a righteous man. Yes. Steps. We're focused on idea, on them plans. God's focused on steps. The second reason we give up so quickly and 92% of our New Year's resolutions fail is because we don't see progress fast enough. This is a big one. And you know this because you've been in some area of your life. Again, you want to do right. We all have good intentions. All right, I'm going to eat right. I'm going to give it one week. 
I'm going to give it one week. And after on Saturday morning, we step on the scale. I gained two pounds. And we think to ourselves, this isn't working. And so we give up. We try it out one, two weeks. Maybe I'll give you a benefit of the doubt. You give it a month and it doesn't work out. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. And after 30 days, I pastor's going to ask me to preach. And all of a sudden, pastor doesn't ask me to preach. This is garbage. It's not working. We're not seeing progress fast enough. We don't see the results fast enough. And because of that, hear me, we tend to make a mistake. And the mistake is this, that we wrongly conclude that small, good decisions don't matter. That small, good decisions don't matter. We don't see the results. Well, Bryce, I prayed. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. And I I don't feel closer to God. And we, we, we neglect those small, good decisions. And we don't see the results quick enough. And so we think small, good decisions don't matter. Which leads us to the other side. We wrongly conclude this small God-honoring habit, this small faithful decision, this small, this sacrifice, this small sacrifice, this good positive action doesn't make that big of a difference. And then we flip it on its head. And what do we do? We skip church for a weekend. And guess what? Oh, pastor, I skipped church, but nothing tragic happened. Nothing, nothing bad happened. Everything's still the same. I still feel exactly the same. And it's one service, two service, three, seven. We go ahead and we grab that extra box of sweets and nothing changes. And so then we also wrongly conclude that the small bad decisions don't matter either. The small good decisions aren't moving the needle and the small bad decisions aren't moving the needle. And we miss the truth of what is impacting our lives in massive ways. The truth of the matter is who you are today is the culmination of all the small decisions that you have made your entire life. You are today the sum total of every choice you had ever made. You see, we don't make choices. Our choices make us. And it's small decisions. They all matter and they all add up over time. What happens, you rarely wreck your life and end up in a bad place all at one time. That rarely happens. You know what tends to happen though? You make a small decision here and you make a small decision there and you make a small bad decision over here, a little compromise here. When we cut the corner here, a little lie here and a little lie there. 
we cut out a service or two a month, I don't really need to pray today. And uh, I read my Bible a few, a few days ago, so I should be good. And then one day we wake up and we wonder, how in the world did I make a mess of my life? And the thing is, it didn't happen all at one time. How'd we do it? One small decision at a time. And then you look at somebody who is just really crushing it in life. They're super successful, and they've been successful. They're blowing it out. They're living the end result of what you want. And, they're look, and, and you look at that, and you think, well, how did they get there? Hear me. They didn't get there either all at once. The spiritual people, the giants in your life that you look up to, they did not get there overnight. It wasn't one prayer that they prayed. It wasn't one offering. It wasn't one sacrifice. But it was one small decision after another small decision after another small decision. It's the things that you don't see. It's the small disciplines that are done again and again and again. It's the fasting that nobody sees. It's the prayer that nobody sees. It's the time that you sought after God and the time that you had a difficult conversation early in the mornings and late at night and your faithfulness time in and time out and the perseverance that it took for you to get to that certain point. They don't see that and they don't understand it, but you realize it was one small faithful decision after another one over a period of time that led you to a place that everybody else wants to be. I've chatted with some folks here recently and, and, and in times past that just have a desire to be a better Christian, a strong desire to know the word of God and be effective in their witness. And I can remember what it was like to open up my Bible and read something and have no idea what it was even talking about. But let me encourage you this morning, this journey that you and I are on, it is a daily journey and it's traveled one step at a time, one small decision at a time. I want to encourage you. You just keep being faithful. Stay committed to your prayer life. Our God is a rewarder to those who seek him diligently. You may not see any results for a period of time, but I believe the temperature is rising and your faith is being stored up. And at some point there is a tipping point and it's going to become very, very obvious. People are going to look at your life and they're going to think you're an overnight success. My, what a success story you are. Look, you just got in church. You just got filled with the Holy Ghost. Or, or man, you, you preach an awesome sermon. You must have an, an, you're an overnight success. But really, they have no idea of the private sacrifices. They have no idea of all the faithfulness, all the consistency, all the failing and starting again, praying and seeking God. It's what's invisible. It's what people don't see. But you know it. One small decision at a time. They matter. I like the way the Apostle Paul said it to the believers in Galatia. He said this in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not church in 2020 as our music comes let's not become weary 
in doing what is right. Let's not become weary in honoring God. Let's not become weary in getting up 30 minutes earlier to seek after the face of God. Let's not become weary in our fasting and our Bible reading. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we simply don't give up. Why do we tend to fail? Because we focus on the what. We don't understand the how. We can't see the results quickly. Or the last thing is, we don't even know who we are. There's an identity crisis. And what does our enemy do? Our enemy swoops in and he tries to connect all the dots for us. He tries to connect our failures to our identity. He swoops in and he says, you know what? He says, you failed, so you are a failure. We talked about this before. There's a difference between saying, I have failed and I am a failure. What that does to you mentally when you acknowledge, I am a failure, that's you taking on that identity. This is who I am. This is all I'll ever be. I'll never amount to anything. He swoops in and he connects your mistakes and he says, that's who you are. You did bad, therefore you are bad. That's what happened to Paul. He said, I try to do what's right and I don't do what's right. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Paul took that on as that's his identity. This is who I am. I'm just a miserable person. When you look at the most effective people in the Word of God, you see people who battled identity issues. In the Old Testament, somewhere along the way, Moses didn't live up to his own expectations. And so when God called him, he said, I'm not a good public speaker. I'm not a good leader. And he identified some failure with who he was. And it sabotaged his potential. Same is true with Gideon. The Apostle Paul, he said, I'm unqualified. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm the least. And I feel incredibly unworthy. And here's what happens as you stand with me. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. Unwise small decisions then the unwise habits reinforce the unhealthy identity and it's a vicious cycle in 2020 I want to ask you a different question I want to push you a little differently we're not going to start with with what I want to start with who. Not what do you want to do, but who do you want to be? How 
Are you going to identify yourself? Who do you want to become? Who is it that when people describe, when people describe you, what do you want them to say? How do you want them to describe you? You might say, I want to be a true man of God and I want to be a true woman of God. That's great. It's a great goal. We should desire to be closer to God. And the reason I think we should think this is because here's what happens. Our identity shapes our actions. That's what identity does. It shapes what you do. It shapes the small decisions in your life. When you know who you are and you know what to do, that will be the ultimate key to who you become. Identity shapes actions. You may say, Bryce, oh, this is just who I am. I can't change. I want to remind you what the Word of God says. It says this, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Church, when you know who you are and you'll know what to do, who you are in Christ. You know who you are in Christ? You're the redeemed of the Lord. You are the righteous in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. And when you understand this, you'll realize I'm a blessed person. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed woman of God. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. As you bow your head this morning, close your eyes as they begin to sing. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.